Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. This week, I have Eli Thompson on the podcast. He is a semi-professional race car driver and a new Eagle Scout. He actually just got his Eagle Scout this week. I'm very glad to have him on the podcast this week. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So, would you like to tell me about, tell me more about the Eagle Scout? Well, so, I joined scouting in, I think I was 12, and, you know, I just kind of, I enjoyed it, but it was kind of like, it wasn't a priority to me then. So, me and my brother ended up quitting, and then uh, a few years ago, I think it was February of 2018, we were like, let's go back, let's let's go get our Eagle, It's uh, that's an important thing, that'll help us a lot in the future, so we went back, and my brother got it like six months into us being there, so then it went from both of us to just me. So I kind of slacked off a little at the beginning, but then I really got up on it and I got I got it done. And I actually recent I earned it. What's today? Saturday. Today is Saturday. At the time we're recording this. Okay, so I got it two days ago. So that's interesting. So I'm just curious, what would differentiate the Eagle Scouts program from, say, Boy Scouts? or other like scout programs like what is unique about eagle scouts so eagle scouts i guess i guess the best definition for it would be um it's someone who shows leadership and someone who will like isn't afraid to be the one to lead everyone else and have other people follow them if that makes any sense yeah yeah i, I can see that like what are your tasks as an eagle scout like um pretty much just to live out the scout law which is being trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. You know yourself. Oh, yeah. You're an Eagle Scout. I expect you to know it. Um, so what kind of events do they hold in the Scouts program? Like, well, Is it like very frequent they have events, or is it like every now and then? Or Usually troops go on, like, so my troop usually went on two summer camps, and then... Um, once a month they go on like a just like a weekend camp out um there's the scouting jamboree i never attended the scouting jamboree i attended the scouting campery but it's two completely different things what would that difference be um the jamboree is all across like the nation it's um pretty much just like everybody shows up it's very expensive to go and the campery was just a um <laughs> It was just a um, like a state thing. It was over in Orlando, and it was um, it was, it was, I don't even know how to put it. It was just cool. Yeah, I I love camping outdoor stuff. It's 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 hard in Florida, obviously, because most of the year it's very hot. There's mosquitoes. Nobody likes putting on off deep woods bug spray. <laughs> that thing is literally cancer. There's a reason the bugs stay away from it, but. Yeah, I wish Florida had more stuff like that, but, you know, that is cool to see that there are programs that get you out there, you know. Yeah, I mean, doing scouting definitely opened doors. It, it allowed me to meet people that um, could help me, like, along the road. They kind of pointed me in the right direction of what I need to get done and everything, so that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, networking is a crucial, crucial thing to have. You have to network with people. That's really what gives you edge over other people. And to have an organization, especially like the scouts, tell you, tell other people, you know, certify that you are a leader and you are an Eagle Scout and you demonstrate these characteristics, that must be very valuable to have. Yeah, just um, that's kind of like the whole point of the Eagle Project to show that like you're ready to be like the number one person people go to, the person that'll 
come up with the ideas of what to do. So I, yeah, I know you're a race car driver, semi-professional has anything from the scouts influenced how you drive on the track or, um, not really other than I like leading. I don't like being in the back of the pack. I like being up front. Yeah. Uh, you want to win. I know mm-hmm. that. I'm not a sore loser, but winning is my number one thing. I love winning. Yeah, absolutely. I hate losing. I'm a sore loser. I hate losing. <laughs> uh, how many times have you lost racing? Um, more than I've won. That's for sure. But um, our most recent race, we did we did pretty good. We started 86th and worked our way up to 36th. And we had problems left and right. But I think I gained 22 positions myself. And the other three drivers threw in, what that be? 28 position something like that yeah something something around there yeah how young were you when you first started racing i mean my brother started driving the car when he was when i was 10 my brother we got our first race car my brother raced and then i started racing at 12 and i actually won my first race surprisingly and then after that i just kept on just kept racing and i think i have five wins but most recent one was when I was 15, so it's it's been a while since I've been in victory lane. Yeah, has it been comp- really competitive recently, or is there a reason for such a long time? Um, I think it, it's mainly just car having problems, and I mean, racing isn't my number one priority. It's more of, um, what's the word? It's like a, it's just a hobby. I'm not, I'm not racing for the money. I'm not racing for the points. I'm just racing for fun, and when it comes down to putting a lot of money into the car to get it to finish first it's just not worth it so i run old tires and it's i, I don't do anything in the car really i just put gas in it and go race yeah and you your family built your own car pretty much from scratch right yeah for racing. Um, my dad builds all the race cars that we drive and from quite a few people uh they, they think he builds one of the best cages out there yeah that's impressive how long have how long has he been doing that for? Well, he used to help his buddies work on their race cars when he was in high school, and he was, he was probably 17, 18, about our age. And he, um, sort of looking for, he was just, he was, it's just what he loved doing, but his mom never let him race. So he loved just helping out. He loved being the guy there that would work on the car, but not complain about not being able to get in the driver's seat. And I guess that he's just still that guy. He loves watching his kids go out and, run good i mean don't get me wrong he loves seeing us win but he's just happy to see us go out there and run yeah that that must be a great feeling especially when you win especially that will be a great feeling I mean, yeah what's it like to get in the car to be on the track to do all that getting in the car is scary because when you get in you got butterflies you feel like you're gonna throw up but once you get going you forget about everything if you had to pee before you got in the car and you didn't you forget about it it's yeah. just your mind is solely on racing. Nothing, every single problem in the world goes away. I've seen a lot of that with flying. Whenever I fly, I just forget everything around me. Just you're focused on the vehicle, you know. Yeah, exactly. It, it's the kind of tunnel vision. But I'd imagine there's so much pressure on you when you're out there because there's people watching and there's so much happening at once. I mean, have you ever had just any crazy races or? I'm um, sure accidents and crashes have happened while you're racing. I think my crate, well, personally, my most, like my best race was the most recent one I won. I started in the back of the pack and there was probably 18 or 20 cars on the track. 
and I drove through the field and then I had problems. So I had to go back to the back of the pack again, drove back through the field again. Um, caution put me in striking distance of the leaders, but, um, I ended up on the last lap giving the leader the bump and run. And he wasn't happy that, a, a the kid, I was the youngest kid on the track. Um, he wasn't happy that I beat him and he's still upset about that to this day. And it's been three years and <laughs> however long. Yeah. I'd imagine that must be, are there other kids who race or, um, there is one class it's there's, there's one son because there's, there, there, there's a lot of family legacy at the track. Like our family's a first generation racing family. We aren't running off of somebody else's like name pretty much, but, um, there are a few that have come in and, um, they are like shadowing their parents. They're doing the same thing they did. They're starting young. They're racing in the lower classes, working their ways up. And the other kid, I don't want to say I'm better than them, but the other kids definitely don't show the talent that like say my older brother or me does. It's just, um, it seems like it's just not in the blood like it is for us. Yeah. Yeah. It, a lot of, a lot of just being good at something or mastering something is just natural talent. And you can't get around that. You'll never beat somebody who has just that talent. That so drive only gets you so far. You have to really have, you know, the feel for it as well. Yeah, exactly. You have to you have to really be comfortable behind the wheel. You got to climb in the car and just like I've seen a lot of guys get in the car. They're shaky. They're nervous about going out on the track. And I I get of course I have butterflies when I first get in. But once I'm yeah. in the car and I'm sitting there, it's like, you know, I could take a nap right now. <laughs> What's the fastest you've ever gone? I'm just curious. Um, had to have been Daytona. Uh, not not this year, but the year before. Um, I went out there. I, I got in a draft behind, uh, I think it was a Mustang. And I got it up to about 165 miles per hour before I decided this is a little too quick. Yeah. And I, back, I backed out of it because I knew if anything goes wrong, there's no saving it at that kind of speed. Yeah, that that's insane. Mm-hmm. Now. You said, how young were you when you first won your first race? I was 12 years old when I won my first race. How well do you remember it? Um, vividly, because there was only two cars on the track, but it's fine. <laughs> a win's a win. doesn't matter how you get it. It's very true. Um, so that I, would be an easy win. What would you say was your toughest win? Toughest win? Um, like your hardest fought win. Yeah. Mm. I guess it would have to be that most recent race because there was a lot of problems that happened. There was a lot of, I ended up smacking it off the wall. Like in that race and all of a sudden, like the car was acting funky and it wasn't, it was going, but it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. And I got in the wall and all of a sudden the car was just perfectly fine and it just wanted to go. And so I took off. I just wanted, I wanted to win. It's like smashing something and (laughs) fixing it somehow. It's, I feel like that's the equivalent of it. Yeah, that, that's the best way to fix it. It's just straight up junk it. <laughs> so I know you've learned a lot of car skills too through, you know, how to work on cars. I, I personally go to Eli. If I have issues with my car, like you remember the one guy at AutoZone messed up my headlight when he was installing it. And I took it to you and you fixed that thing in like three seconds. I forgot to put the cap on the back of the light. but It's all good. I put the cap on after, but... <laughs> How much have you, is most of that on your own or is like you're learning or is most of it through racing? Um, a lot of it was through 
watching my dad work on the road. Cause when I was younger, I wasn't, I wasn't in there as I wasn't learning as much. I was just kind of sitting there paying attention to what dad was doing. And dad got it. He'd get into a groove and I just kind of pay attention. I mean, I, w- I was running, getting tools and holding flashlights. But when I wasn't doing that, I was really watching, seeing what he was doing, seeing how to work on it. And is that how you learned a lot of this stuff? You would just watch it and replicate it on your own later? Or? That's pretty much almost exactly what I've done. Um, I remember watching my dad work on my truck before I had it. And that was um, that was how I learned how to work on cars, really, was watching because he always had to work on that thing. He was always out there fixing something. And then when we went into the race cars, it's, I could tell you inside and out about the inside of, or about the motor of a Dodge Neon, but I can't tell you a thing about a BMW. What do you know about the motors that I'm just curious, just let's kind of go down that rabbit hole. Um, well, I mean, you, it's timing, it's putting the motor, they're taking it apart, putting it back together. It's pulling the motor out, putting it back in. I think that our we used to time ourselves to see how fast we could pull a motor and put it back in. It takes us 45 minutes to swap a motor in a Dodge Neon. Wow. Which I know they're small motors, but it's still pretty quick. And um, it's just learning all this different stuff, learning how, like, the difference between an open differential and a welded and a limited slip and just worlds of diff- rabbit holes of different things. And yeah, you, you, yeah. You can look at a motor and be like, oh, it does that. But then you could look at camshafts valves pistons crank everything everything ties in to make everything work so i'm gonna sound like an amateur saying this Mm -hmm. (laughs) obviously racing in cars isn't my thing how does the engine work i know it's an internal combustion engine so so it pulls it pulls air and fuel into the cylinder and then that that's as the piston's going down wait i think i don't know exact i don't know the exact motion of like when everything but air and fuel are mixed into into the cylinder and then as the piston compresses it the exhaust exits and then the spark plug ignites the fuel and it creates the explosion and that's what keeps the pistons moving and that's what gives you power and that just kind of spins the axis the wheels are on that's why you go it just sends the power through the transmission and out if you can see out into the drive shaft and back to the rear end and then the rear end spins it all up and sends it out. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how a rear end works. I just know how to put it back together. <laughs> <laughs> how many times have you like deconstructed an engine? We've pulled apart. Well, we've blown up between me and my brother. We've blown up, I think 11 motors since we've been racing, which is that's a few more than the average person for just like short track length. Like, like what would is it just overuse that causes the motors to us overdriving the car compared to everyone else because we don't like getting out of the gas until we're far into the corner yeah um but i guess pulling the motor apart to see the, the amount of damage we did um that's helped us learn how just inside and out how the motor works and everything and you have that application there because it's not just like you're a mechanic you learn how to do all this stuff but you don't actually ever apply it, but you're applying it. It it must feel cool to work on a car and then race it and see it perform. I'd imagine. Yeah. That's probably one of the best feelings is knowing you put in the time you put in the work. I mean, I try to put in some of the money, but mom and dad don't always let me, but you, you put something you made. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That I've seen that with a lot of stuff and it's just a cool feeling when something you made and, 
It won't always perform the way you want it to. And no. I've learned that the hard way. It never does what you want it to. It never goes the way you want it to go. It never moves the way you want it to. But I feel like some of the drivers out there, they just kind of drive it as hard as they can and they destroy their stuff. And then I go out there and I'm like, okay, I'll work with it. I'll make it work. I'll make it do what I want to the best it can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you race, I I went to one of your races. Unfortunately, we missed you race. That was really unfortunate. The timing was terrible. So you race at that track. What other, that's down in St. Pete. What other tracks do you race at? Well, I've raced at, so the one in St. Pete, I've raced at Citrus Motor Speedway. I've raced at what's now the Freedom Factory, which was originally DeSoto Speedway, where I won my first race. I've raced at Sebring International Raceway for a 14-hour race and Daytona International Speedway for a 14-hour race. And which one was your favorite? Mm, I think it'd have to be Sebring. I love driving that track. Like, what about it? It's just, it flows. It, it does what you want it to do. It's got fast spots. It's got really slow spots. And I feel like, I mean, the car that we ended up choosing to race is, like, the best car for that track. It, the car is just perfect there. How do you choose which car to race? Which ones? Like, how would you differentiate it? Just kind of give me the rundown there. So, I mean, it's, it is it is a long rundown, so I'll just kind of make it Just go for short. it, man. We have time. All right. Um, so Talk as much as you want. Mm-hmm. Every um, every car, well, every car, they that champ car that the series we run under would think would be run in the series, they make a VPI, and that, that's the number, that's the points that you're allowed to have. Um the points you're allowed to have on like on the car so everything costs points so the car itself costs points like right now we're at like I, I don't even know the exact number but i know we have to start two laps down because of our vpi which it changes next year we'll be starting on the lead lap and we'll have some to play we'll have some points to play with too but right now we run we have to start two laps down and then we get an extra 10 points to play with so we've got um like like an air duct into the radiator to keep it cool and then we got a spoiler, and that that um helps to keep the car just on the ground and yeah like planted, and so because of that we start two laps down. I think we start an extra one too because of the extra ten points we have on there. But so three laps down, um there are some cars that have a VPI so low that you could put a turbo on the car, which like makes the car produce way more horsepower, and you still start on the same lap as everyone else. And that's, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Is it just because the turbo is just worth so many VPI points? The turbo is, I, I think that forced induction or anything that will like advance your your um, your car's power output, that's something that'll definitely raise your VPI by quite a bit. But like, so the, the, there's A class, B, C, D, and E, C. There's five different classes. And A class are like Miatas and stuff like that. B class is like Honda Civics and Dodge Neons. C class is us, BMWs, Porsches, um, just basic cars that you see on the road every day. D class is going to be your V8, rear wheel drive, high horsepower, awful handling cars. And then EC are the cars that are, it's called like the experimental class where you can put whatever you want on the car and you can go race. You just can't like gain, you can't win the race overall. The overall winner gets like a big trophy and everything. And then there's class winners, but the overall winner wins their class of course and then um yeah it's we chose that car because we felt that 
the fuel mileage was great, which it's amazing. We can run a full stint and still have a quarter of a tank left, which is like nobody can do that. Normally, a stint's two hours, mm-hmm. and that's two hours of as many. That's what I'm looking for. Two hours of as many laps as you can get into that time before you have to pit and switch drivers. So most people can only run about an hour and a half stint because of fuel, but we can run two hours, which is why my dad chose the car because it has a bigger fuel tank and it's more efficient. Yeah, exactly. It has a little bit bigger of a motor, but it's still more efficient than all the others. Do you see a big advantage of having that? Um, definitely when we're like not having this, because every time you, you fuel the car, you have to be on pit road for five minutes and that, that kills in an endurance race. That's a lot of time. That's at least two laps at Sebring. So you're probably going to go down close to three, including your, you're getting back into your momentum and into your speed, but it, it helps a lot being able to, so we run seven total stints and we have four drivers and one of our drivers only runs once and then the rest of us run twice. So we try to get as much out of the car as we can. And I mean, of course, you're supposed to conserve and take it easy in an endurance race because you don't want to break the car before the end of the race. Yeah, it's a longer yeah, longer race. Normally we run 14 hours and there's some races that are 12, but we've only run 14. But we just we work the car and we try to get as much out of it as possible. Yeah, and it seems like to win the race, there's so many factors at play. Like you mentioned the VPI you have to make sure your car is in like a favorable position for you to fit that regulation. That's what it seems like to me. It's a regulation. It's balancing to where, you know, you can't just put somebody up front who has all this like great stuff, you know, that I've always been curious about why do the cars in the front, how do they decide which car start in the front? And that really explains it. Well, for us, like the order that you go out onto the track is based off just a random pill that's pulled. And when you pull a pill, it's not an actual pill. It's just, you pull a number and it's between or it's it's between one and however many pit stalls are on the track and we we use all the pit stalls there's normally between 110 and 130 cars at the track so somebody pulls a pill and that 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 number that they pull is the pit stall that leaves first and then it just goes backwards from that and that's you start the race for in the order you exit the pits but your position so if say you start two laps down you you could still be starting at the front of the pack which will allow you to drive away and try to gain that one extra lap without, I mean, of course you got to factor in like your speed compared to other people's and all that. But if you can, if you start up front, you got a pretty good chance of doing good. Like the guy who won the most recent race that we were at, he started, I think third, he took the lead. He lost it to a couple guys that started right behind us. And then he got it back from them off of fuel mileage and then continued to just hammer down and just drove away from him. He was passing me a lot. I felt like he was passing me like once every 10 laps, which is, that's pretty good. Yeah. And it just seems like there's so much strategy in it where you decide, okay, well maybe I need to take a pit break here at an opportune moment where you think you can kind of get that lap back if you lose it. Cause he said it's what two laps, like a pit stops, like two laps. If you take fuel, it's going to be two laps at least. But for us, what what we tried to do is we we always got kind of lucky this year, at Sebring at least, is because we um we'd be planning a pit, we'd be kind of getting everything ready and everything, and then we get a full course caution, which is everybody gets stacked back up. That's the best time to pit because you won't lose a position. I mean, you might lose one or two, but you won't lose a lap. You'll you'll stay stacked up with everyone else once we get ready to go back green, and 
there's full course yellows and yet like local yellows local yellows are like you spun out you went off the track and you're trying to get back on so they everybody be careful he's trying to get back on the track and then it goes back to but full course is when they have to send an emergency vehicle out and that's, that's like that's someone fun one someone stuffed it in the wall like one of our drivers got into someone and they put it in the wall it just there's so many different things that factor into the luck of winning the the strategy of winning and just it's a lot it's a lot to think about it's a lot it's it's a lot to process pretty much if you can't tell but yeah it's it's interesting being able to go out there and it's that's the best feeling in the world watching the car go by and you're like we're passing people we're doing good we're gaining you built that yeah exactly and what would you say you were mentioning the strategies to win you know all the factors that go into winning what would you say is like the most like important factor if you're going to try to win is it the luck is the luck play most of the role that's driver skill skill if a driver can't drive the car the car is not going to do you it doesn't matter how fast it is how slow it is it doesn't if you have a slow car and a good driver they'll probably do pretty well and vice versa if you have a fast car and a bad driver you're probably not going to do the greatest because if you know how to handle the car you'll know how to do good and if you don't know how to handle the car you're probably not going to do good because you're not going to know what you're doing yeah wow i just lost my train of thought (laughs) wow um Oh, okay. So would you say, well, obviously you were going, I'm kind of answering my own question here. I was going to ask, um, if like, if your skill is so good, if you get like a really, really bad like position, you'd be able to correct for that. You'd be able to overcome that if you're just a really good driver. Well, there's, so you can have skill and be doing really good, but if something sets you back enough, there's not going to be any recovering from that. Like we had, we had cooling problems. We had air in our cooling lines, which normally you just want water and coolant in there. So that was our main trouble. And then that set us back. I think it set us back like 25 laps, which yeah, that's a nail in the coffin right there. We finished the race 48 laps down, but that's because there's a bunch of different classes, which means there's cars that are faster than you that are probably going to pass you multiple times. But as long as you do good in your class, that that's the best thing is doing good in your class. I feel like C class is the most competitive because we show up and we have 45 cars of the 130. That's that's a pretty big chunk of cars to run in yeah. one class to race for the top two positions because you don't get anything special for third. One is like you won it. Congratulations. Good job keeping the car out there the whole time. Pretty much you can keep the car on the track the whole race. You're probably going to finish in the top ten. Like we, that's the trouble we ran into was we weren't out there the whole, our longest pit was 30 minutes and we had two of them that were about 30 minutes long. Yeah. I can imagine that just really sets you back. If you're not going to reach the lap requirement or anything at that point, like it's going to take you much, much longer and other people are going to finish way before you do. It's realistically, it's all in momentum. If you can start and keep the car going, you've got the momentum behind you. It's not even like carrying speed because that's what momentum really is, is carrying the speed, not losing it. But there's momentum in like your your passion and your heart. And you, if you do really good one week, there's a good chance that you're going to go out there and you're going to do really good the following week. Or, I mean, you could not be so lucky and you could have problems or something like that. But carrying your momentum into the following week always helps. Now, I can imagine if you win the race, your momentum is going to be up there. You know, you're going to be elated winning it. Yeah, exactly. Like that race that I won, I... I barely won it. Like I, I got him on the last lap, but 
the following week, I think I went out and finished third, which I'm my car is always like a top three, top five finisher. It's just it's just a good car. It's fast. It, it yeah. handles the way I want it to. My dad and my brother both know how to set them up, but it's like having the speed behind you that you carried in is like one of the most important things. Like I got unlucky in my because that that season that I won that race, I won I think I won two races that season, but that season I won that race, I ended up finishing second in the points championship by 9 points. This is the closest points championship in the history of the track. And then I ended up winning rookie of the year off of that. I I mean, I was 15 and 16 racing in this adult class and I was beating everyone. It was I mean, I wasn't winning every single race, but the person who was winning every single race ended up getting disqualified in the last race because in the last race, they pull motors apart. And if you're found cheating, you lose everything. What would pulling a motor apart, what advantage would that give you? Well, some of the things that you can find when you pull a motor apart for cheating parts are like camshafts can be illegal, valves can be illegal. So pretty much anything inside the motor, not... The block and the head, I mean, you can you can port and polish the head, which is just making the, the intake openings just that little bit bigger to pull in more air to get more power out of the motor. And then like you could have illegal pistons, illegal, I mean, I don't really know about illegal crankshafts. I don't really know how that one work, would work, but you can have just many illegal parts. And a lot of the guys who are out there running illegal computers, which allow the cars to rev higher, which that's a... That's a pretty big advantage, but that also causes engine failures a lot. So so you just kind of carry the risk with that, both the risk of the engine failing and getting caught cheating. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't remember who exactly said it, but it's not considered cheating unless you get caught. That's basically I remember, well, that's a timeless a quote. Say, yes. That's how a lot of race, like 60s and 70s race car drivers would say it. If they don't find it, it never happened. Which, I mean, it makes sense. If if you did good enough in the gray area of the rules, then you could get away with it. I mean, of course, we take pride in winning races off of just our talent and our just grit to win the race, not off of... Cheating or yeah, getting exactly. unfair advantages. There's no pride really in no, that. No, because you're going to go home and you're going to be like, I won that race, but I beat, I beat the guy by just a little bit who has a 100% stock car. Of course, as I far as I know, illegal piston in yeah. there, a drive shaft, all this stuff that you know, I cheated in there. There's no pride in that. No, of course not. Like, oh, I almost had him, but <laughs> I cheated to get there. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that would like it's like a kick in the nuts almost. If that were to happen to you, you were gonna cheat, and then you end up losing. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's actually kind of funny. <laughs> it's like with all the cheating, it still wasn't enough. Yeah, exactly. And I guess that's kind of where the skill plays in, where you can't beat skill. Skill is the unbeatable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as long as you know where to put the car and where to drive the car off, you you have a pretty good chance of running up front. I mean, of course, there's always you have problems, you have handling issues. It's you can run into millions of things that set you back enough to make you not be able to finish as well as you'd like. And that's where the strategy, I'd imagine, comes in. Okay, well, this is failing. How many more laps can I get out of this car before I have to put it in? You know, how much longer can I keep it on the track? Yeah, exactly. We're in one of those dry points right now, in case you guys can't tell. It just went silent there. Um, So, building the car, I know you've built a lot of aspects of your truck. 
just tell me about that. How's the experience been? Like building the cars or building the truck? Building the truck. Okay, the truck. The truck's interesting. It's it's an interesting story. So it was my dad's. He put a lift. He put a lift on it. He tuned it. He put tires and wheels on it. But I was in love with the truck. First time I drove it, I was. I didn't really drive it. I just steered it. I was like eight years old, and it was. It was my dream to have that truck. I, me and my brother, we always fought over who got what, and I called dibs on the truck. So once I turned 16, I was like, Dad, it's sitting in the backyard. You have a new truck. Let me get it. So I got it off him, and I just needed to fix the rear end, and I've just constantly been building new stuff for it. Um, we recently redid the rear bumper, which I'm just going to have to replace anyways. Um, the side steps are all custom. Um, we put tires on it recently, which was made, made a difference in the handling, to say the least. I, I know you put some AC in there. A few times, to say the least. Um, we've got, I think I've put two air conditioning air conditioning compressors on it since I got it two years ago. And I don't have AC right now, so. That just fun. sounds painful. Luckily, we're in like a part of the year where it's not exactly necessary. It's cool yeah. enough, but summer yeah i know you were driving last year for a long time without the ac and that just must have been painful it was early august when it first went out i was like it's gonna cool off soon anyways i'll be fine and then it didn't cool off the way i expected it to and then i fixed it i think it was mid-october i fixed it and it's gone again it's just not worth it anymore (laughs) but it's it's the truck you know do you feel the vehicle bond Oh yeah, I mean that's that truck's my baby. I'm, yeah, not, I'm never getting rid of that. Thing. There's a very select few people who feel the vehicle bond. I feel it for my car too because I have a similar story where I steered it when I was like maybe four years old. My dad would let me sit on his lap in the passenger, not in the passenger seat, in the driver's seat, and like put my hands on the wheel and steer the car. Then you know, a couple year, couple years go by, and it's my car now. I'm driving the car, and you really do feel the bond. You feel the connection, you know. And yeah, exactly. Some people just don't get that. The first time I actually drove it, I think I was 12. And it was just, um, it was, it was big. It was a big truck. I was a little kid. It was a big truck. It was scary, but at the same time, it was the most fun I had ever had. I, yeah. I always dreamed of driving it, and I finally got to it, and I was like, sweet. This thing's awesome. It's mine now. <laughs> you had to wait a couple of years after you were 12, but yeah, I'm guessing fine. you were very excited to get your license to drive that oh yeah of course uh, i slacked off on mine i'll be honest i the the permit course kind of killed me it was just so boring being the race car driver i am i don't tell very many people this but i guess everybody's gonna know now i failed the drug and alcohol portion of that because i didn't know that certain drugs were certain things and certain so i f- technically failed my driver's test which i just retook and really was fine yeah it was weird that's interesting. That's actually, yeah, because it has all those other aspects in it, the drugs. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the tests is common sense. Yeah. I mean, take a much. health class in school and take the final, and you can pretty much figure out any answer on there. It just con- don't do drugs, don't drink and drive, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, that's exactly. very interesting, actually. I'm, I'm sure with the actual car and driving portion, you were hitting every mark on that, though. That was easy. That was the easy part. I was dro- actually driving, just remembering, like, remembering the things that didn't have to do with the road. That was the difficult part. Yeah. I know. I I still don't know which way I should put my wheels when I'm parked on a hill. 
the opposite way. I think it's like if you're parked, ugh, it's so hard to visualize it. If you're like parked if you're, up a if hill, you're parked you up a hill. Left, I think. If you're parked up a hill, you point them backwards. If you're parked down a hill, you point them upwards. Hmm. Well, that, that would have been good to know a couple of years ago. I don't. I don't think you realize I'm not being serious. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. I don't think we either of us actually know it. No. If if you're parking uphill, you point the tires. To the left, and if you're parking downhill, they point them to the right. Yeah. Unless you're on the opposite side of the road, then why are you on that side of the road? The illegally parking. Yes, illegal parking. You deserve to roll. Have you ever gotten a parking ticket? I've never gotten a ticket, period. Yes. Yeah, because if I get a ticket, that means no more driving. It just it's the wrath of the parents. Yes. It's you live under the roof, you gotta abide by their rules. Even if you're eighteen, because we're exactly. both 18 now, which is very exciting. Yeah. I have it's... yet to buy lottery tickets. I've bought a few. I've, I've, I've won my money back. That's that's all I... That's that's more than a lot of people can say. Yeah. I, mean, I, I know when to quit when I'm ahead. That's also very good. You should, you should go to Vegas with that mindset. <laughs> quit while you're ahead. You're never going to get more money than you already have. Yeah, pretty much. That's the way I think about it. I have like 50 bucks to my name. I'm never going to have more money than that. Might as well spend it all now. <laughs> Even when you do have more money than that, let's just bring it back down to 50. Yeah, of course. you got to yeah, keep naturally. it equal. It's always got to be the same amount. You can't go over. It's like you have like a zero-based budget where you're just going, I'm terrible with my money. I'm just going to outright say oh, I am too. horrible. I mean, I I like getting money, but I think I like spending money more than I like getting it. Well, it depends on how much you like your job. I don't mind the job. It's not bad. How's, how's Eli works at Winn-Dixie? just... You should, I know the Winn-Dixie is a very fun aspect. You should just go all out and explain um, this one. So I got the job at Winn-Dixie in January and I've, I've been there, what is it, 11 months since January? It's the 11th month, so I think it was January 16th, something like that. It doesn't matter. But So I've been working there a long time and I was always, well, they hired me as a cashier. And I'll be straight up, I absolutely hated it. I hate standing around doing nothing for half the time. So that's why I quit my original job and then so I ended up start I was like hey I don't mind bagging like I don't mind going out and getting cars and stuff I'm fine with doing that so they put me on that and that was that was that kind of changed my, my my mindset of the whole place it was like you know this isn't that bad and then I started telling them hey I can close like I can be closing bagger I'm cool with that I, I I'm sure I'd enjoy it and I did it one I had done it once and I was like it's it's great I don't mind doing it at all and then I started to do this thing called chilling with the ice. <laughs> chilling with the ice, yes. And every single time that I'd close, I'd stand in the freezer and take a picture with the ice and be like, chilling with the ice. <laughs> and every time it was always a different pose. And sometimes I'd have my thumbs up. Sometimes I'd be doing the, the rock symbol like yeah, Brian can see it, but no one else can. Well, you may and just get the video of that one. Who knows? Possibly. Possibly, if I'm feeling generous this week. Maybe. Maybe. So I I just do different stuff and it's kinda of taken off. A lot of people who actually work there have started getting like more into doing it as well. And it's um the chilling with the ice trend. Yeah. It we, we almost did a group picture of like five of us because we we all just happened to be there at the same time. I've I mean, I I'm working stock a lot now, I'm doing a lot of stocking, which is always a three to nine forty five shift, which sucks. But Well, you just restock shelves and, and just put the food out. It's not sound fun. I mean, 
the time goes by really quick. Do they ever make you do inventory counts there? No. I already told them that, that there's I'm not going to count things. And usually they bring corporate in anyway, so it's like... Yeah. That, that's what I have to do at my job. I have to do a lot of inventory counts, and I hate it. It is so boring to me. I hate it. I would quit. <laughs> I mean, different mindset, but I yeah, think yeah. with your chilling with the ice, work is what you make of it. If yeah, you exactly. go in with the mindset, I'm going to hate my job, you're going to hate your job. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't ever go in, oh, I'm not going to have a good time. I'm not going to, I'm going to want to go home the whole time. I go in, I'm like, I'm going in for the money. And if, if I do a good enough job, I'm going to get more money. And yeah. I mean, that's turned out to be true. I've been working harder and I've been getting more hours. I mean, of course I haven't gotten a raise, but I mean, I'm in high school. I'm not going to ask for a raise. That's weird. But <laughs> it's just, um, getting more hours, I guess, is equivalent to a raise for me because I appreciate the, the time I'm given to work to begin with. Cause I, yeah, I, I enjoy working. It feels good to go out there, you know, especially with your money. I said, I'm horrible with my money. <laughs> But to make my own money and spend my money on something that I earned and I worked for is just a great feeling. Yeah, exactly. It's there's nothing like making your own money and going out and spending because you're like, I worked for this, I I deserve what I'm buying with this because I put in the time to be able to to be able to have it. Yeah, so. and let's just say once you go from bumming money off of your parents to actually working for your money, there's no going back ever. Yeah, that's one reason why I kind of started working was because I I couldn't, I don't like asking anyone for handouts, but asking my parents for gas money or money to go do something just wasn't, it wasn't cool to me. So I, yeah. You don't want to be like the people who go to the causeway all the time where you're like, oh, mommy, can I have your credit card so I can get McDonald's there? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, you don't be that person. You have to be the no. person who works for your money who... Mm -hmm. It's just that feeling of earning it. You definitely no. don't want to be that person who mommy and daddy bought you a brand new car to make up for never being around. <laughs> that is cold-blooded. <laughs> it had to be said, but that was very cold-blooded. I mean, cold -blooded. I'm not, I'm, realistically, I'm not wrong. Everybody who drives a brand new nice car, and there's nothing wrong with buying your kids a nice car if you put in the work to be able to buy them that, but um, there's something about growing up, like being the teenager and working, number one, working hard for the money to be able to pay for a car. Yeah. And appreciating the car and putting the work into making it what it is. Like putting the work, like, you know, the sound system in the truck is chaotic. I I've, know you I've put so much work into that. I've too. put the money, I've put the work. It's when you blast your music, you just know it feels good. And don't worry, I only do it in the parking lots. So, <laughs> no on the road, little kids having to hear my music. Yeah, it's not exactly family friendly. No, of course not. <laughs> You're a grown man, you can listen to what you want to. I can. That's why I listen to Sir Mix a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, how has 18 been treating you so far? Pretty good, I got to vote. <laughs> yeah, I missed it by a week. I'm very upset about that. Yeah, but, I mean, realistically, I mean, when I... A year ago, I was so excited to turn it. I'm like, I'm gonna get my concealed carry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do all this different stuff. And then I was like, now that one thing you can't do that, you can't do another thing because things have just been changing so quick. It, it makes things very difficult. Um, because 18 used to be something that like everybody looked forward to turning. So you could do so much, and now it's like, I can vote. I can do the lottery. That's it. That's all. That's all you can do once you're 18. I mean, it's still great being able to walk around and be like, I'm an adult. Like, 
I do. I, I'm not this kid anymore. I, I'm not driving around and everybody's looking at me. Oh, he's just a kid. No, everybody's looking at me. Whoa, look at that guy. You know, it's like I, I haven't had really much of a change being 18 so far. I really, it'll probably sink in. Like nineteen will probably sink in when I go off to college. I'll feel more like an adult then, but yeah, I feel just, like it doesn't feel that much different for me. I feel like going to college will definitely make things feel. It'll let it sink in more. Yeah, exactly. It won't be like, because like I definitely did notice like the first week I was eighteen, I was like, I'm eighteen, cool, and then now That's it's it. like I don't feel a difference. I really, yeah. it's, I'm just the same person. I don't feel a difference from when I was seventeen. I, mean, I feel a difference when I was sixteen because I was an idiot, but just. It's just I feel like I've I've definitely grown, but at the same time, I still don't know like a two year old. Yeah, that's the thing. You you just have to let more years go by. You'll just learn more as it goes. I mean, I'm a completely different person than I was two years ago. Yeah, exactly. Completely different person. I I look back on myself two years ago. I'm like, man, you're friends with you me doing? now. We weren't friends two years ago. Exactly. So that's <laughs> one of the benefits. I think I've been friends with everyone just about a year. Really? Mm-hmm. I started hanging out just before New Year's. So, yeah, that's true. I, I know I talked to you though all throughout last school year. Like, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So probably, time, so. probably midway through summer of last year. Yeah, probably something, something along those lines. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's you're right. That was condescending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, pal. Better watch yourself. He's gonna kill me on the podcast. <laughs> the Dr Pepper can. <laughs> Watch yourself. No, I'm just playing. But yeah, I mean, I guess definitely 18 something to look forward to. And definitely, you know, you're 18. It's it's your 18th birthday. It's a big deal. But it's really what you make of it. Exactly. That's a, that's a good way to put it. It's, it's I what didn't you make, make anything of, of my 18th birthday at all, and it was just a normal day. Yeah, true. I'll be honest. That's all it was. It was just a normal day for me. And maybe if I made a bigger deal out of it, it would have affected me more personally. It's it's almost like Christmas, right? Where I never really make a big deal out of Christmas. Therefore, I never really get in the Christmas spirit, so to say. Winn-Dixie is already playing Christmas music and I want to die. <laughs> what is it? It's like November 21st. It's not even Thanksgiving. The day after Thanksgiving? It's totally fine. I all agree. for it. But right now, it's getting old. <laughs> well, Mariah Carey's getting her annual money bag. <laughs> Very soon. I'm not, the cash is going to come in. That is the one song that I have not heard there yet. Is Mer- But I've been there. I don't think they're playing that song right now at Winn-Dixie. Because I've been there like all throughout. Because like, they play the same playlist all day. Every day. Every you single, hear the every single day. The, the, moment, the moment we open, music comes on. And it plays all the way up until. I mean, I'm sure it plays all the way past we close. But I leave when we close. So it plays all the way up until we close. And then I've heard that playlist a million times, and now it's just that same playlist, but with Christmas songs added and some songs removed. And it's it no more I carry. Yes, that's nice. It is painful. I can. There's a playlist on Spotify called Walmart Radio, <laughs> and it's it's what you'd expect to hear in a Walmart. And I feel like if you're an artist and your song makes it onto the Walmart Radio playlist, retire. You blew up. Yeah, you blew up a little too much. Yeah, I'd retire. Stop making music. Just quit now. You're um, good for life, pretty much. Probably get a job at like a subway, just to get over the fact that my music is being played in Walmart. And then you're in the subway, and you hear the music come on in the subway, like your own song. Turns out you got a job at the subway. 
in the Walmart. <laughs> I've always wondered like what it must be to be like a music artist, like a really huge artist who makes their own stuff. And like you get in your car, you turn a radio on and your song's playing. It's like, oh yeah, that's me. I've wondered the same thing. Like, um, I'm, I listen to country. If you can't tell I'm wearing boots and I have my hat on the table, but, um, I listen to Tim McGraw and recently it came out with a new song and he mentions his own songs in his song as if he was listening to him. It's like, wait, <laughs> you sang those songs. You listen to those songs. That's not, he's self plugging. You know, that's definitely not selfish at all. No, not in any way, shape or form. Like I can probably that's guarantee like shouting my podcast out on my podcast. Listening to this is going to be torture for me because I hate my voice so much. That's been be the like... biggest obstacle for me so far <laughs> is to get over the hearing my own voice when I play back the recordings. And for the most part, I'm immune to it now because I've done it enough. But I feel like that's just everybody. They hate how they sound on recording. I think, yeah, I do think everybody does, except for people who are like popular singers. They probably are like, well, they probably went through that phase already where yeah, they, they hated over how it. they sound at first and they get over it and now it's like, yeah, so what? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if other people think you sound good and they're willing, I mean, we'll see if anybody they're willing likes to pay listening you to, to me. your song, there you go. Yeah, I exactly. think you made it. <laughs> it's if, if you can get somebody to pay you for your song, your voice must be somewhat decent. Good for you. <laughs> at the end of the day, you're getting the money. Secure the bag by any means necessary. Yes. Yes, at all times. <laughs> at all times. Always make money. Nothing is better than making money, except for family. Family, school. We got very sentimental right there. For me, for me, I have I have like a list of hierarchy of things that like are most important to me. It starts with family. Then it go it it did go scouts, but now that I've finished that I've kinda you know and there's a kind of a void there now. Yeah, that's and then um it goes family, school um, probably racing because that's like one of the most important things to me. That's what makes me happiest. And then it's a passion, yeah, exactly. And then work, maybe, maybe it's number four. Maybe I'm forget. Video games come before work. <laughs> Your racing sims. Would oh you yeah, couple the racing sims or like bundle that into that racing, or would you put that in its own category? It depends on the game. It's a because there's there's racing simulators and there's racing games. It's it's it's. It's confusing how everything works, how it all works out. But um, yeah, if you ever if you ever want to spend a lot of money on like some mediocre equipment for like a mediocre experience, flight simulators. Do you think I haven't built one of those? I know, but they are so <laughs> expensive. It's because I feel like be racing simulators are really like ran. They they pulled ahead of the flight simulators. I feel mm -hmm. like racing simulators are a lot more advanced and a lot more fun than a flight simulator. The really nice thing about race my racing sim my race there we go my racing simulator is that you can you can do racing games. You can do like anything you want that has to do with any vehicle. So racing, just plain driving, like it doesn't have to be racing. Um, of course, you could put the flight the flight simulator stuff on the race sim and it's it works but yeah there's that branches out a lot and i'm happy i got that and i've i've done flight simulators before i'm pretty well versed in them it never compares to actually flying and i feel like there's the same feeling with racing with yeah simulator. nothing nothing is actually like getting into the car like it's just well, number one you're sitting behind a screen you're never going to get the same nerves you're not going to get the same feeling out of the car a computer cannot match what actually happens in the race car. Yeah. 
And I'd imagine they're a lot more streamlined, like you were saying earlier about errors that happen where stuff is malfunctioning in the race car. You have to pit it. That probably isn't that prevalent in the racing simulators because they're like, oh, well, if we add that level of realism, it's not going to be as fun. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, so I'm sure you, you might know this on Microsoft Flight Simulator X. You can like take, yeah. you can make an engine failure happen in your flight at a random time. But in racing, you can't make a tire go down at a random time. Like you have to work it so hard to make it go down in the simulator. But on the racetrack, all it takes is running over one piece of metal or just sliding the car too much and you you get a tire down. It just doesn't account for that. And I feel like that's a big struggle to program it to be able to account for something like that. Well, an engine failure seems like it's simple in a flight simulator. It's like, okay, just pick a random interval, shut it off. That's it. Yeah. As opposed to, well, we have to generate this piece of rubble here that you run over and just yeah, seems exactly. like a mess. And that's probably why it hasn't been done. There is one simulator that's pretty that's gotten pretty close. They have like the, the so the little chunks of rubber that come off tires are called marbles. Mm-hmm. And they have and there's like a there's a fine line between being in the racing groove and being in the marbles. And if you go out of the racing groove into the marbles, you're either gonna go around, you're gonna pick something up and blow a tire, or you're gonna lose every single position you've worked to gain. And it um it's done a decent job of simulating that, but at the same time it's like it's it's not like being in the car. It's just not the same. Yeah, I feel like that's that's just interesting to think about how a simulator. It's like a racing simulator. It's gonna run like there's nothing wrong, in a car. Yeah, exactly. Now, if I were somebody who only played racing simulators, it would have never occurred to me, the fact that there would be all these aspects that could go wrong while you're racing. All these little things because it just never accounted for. Exactly. Like you're never gonna know that the racing simulators aren't like being in a race car until you get in a race car and actually like going out and just driving the race car around on the track is completely different than going out and racing the race car. It's you, you're never going to get that same realism. Yeah. Mm. Would you argue simulators are valuable then? How valuable would you say they are? are they, I'd say simulators are valuable because they can help you learn the track. They can help you get you because on the simulator system I use is called iRacing and it, they scan the track. They get every bump, every like every single crack in the track you can you can feel everything but it helps you learn the track but at the same time you have to learn that track when you're actually on it like you have yeah. to be able to like i remember the first time i drove my car on the track that was terrifying that was like i don't know what i'm doing and i don't did you know simulate it before like prior to actually getting on the track the one problem with the simulators they don't always have the, the tracks you're going to drive on like the one down in st pete uh, showtime speedway it they don't have that on any simulators, which, I mean, I've tried to get them to put it on it, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. But they don't have that track on simulators. So you had to go out there and you had to learn it. And you had to... You, it's, you, it's the old-fashioned way of yeah, doing it. You had to learn where the limit was, and then you had to learn how to push that limit without going over the limit, you know? Yeah. It's, you, you had to... Yeah, I was just going to ask. It kind of answered itself in a way, but you, you think about how simulators have kind of influenced how competitive racing is since like the rise of the internet and all this stuff. I feel like people racing in the fifties, seventies, nineties, even they didn't have these advantages where they could just, okay, I'm going to race this track. I'm going to get in a simulator. I'm going to learn every aspect of it. They had to get out there and do it themselves. And if they were the ones who were constantly racing, learning the track, they'd probably have a significant advantage 
back in the back in the I want to I'm not going to say 80s because that's when they more of like nationalized and like streamlined the cars and everything. But I'm going to say 60s and 70s. That was when drivers knew how to drive the cars and they drove they drove race cars. They didn't drive like I don't know how to put it. They drove it was the driver. The driver had to learn the car, learn the track, and know where the limits of the car and the track were. And you got to work it all together to make it all work out. And you have to hope that you can hold on to it. Yeah. Because, like, you want to be on the edge, and you want to feel like you're going to lose control in any second, but at the same time, being on that edge is the fastest you're going to go. It's the adrenaline. Yeah, how much would you say like the nerves and like have you ever had adrenaline when you were racing has it ever like influenced your driving in any way when i come so this is when i'm running circle track when i'm at like sebring and daytona there's not much adrenaline pumping it's more of like just wanting to go out there and run my race run with other cars and just it's just it's really just getting a feel for everything use for the track or i just you just want to like drive. You 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 want to keep the car flowing around the track, but yeah. at at the circle tracks, it's so much more like nerve wracking. Because when it, I remember like vividly, I was coming to the green of my first mini stock race, which is the adult class compared to the kids class. I was I think I was starting like third row inside, and there's bumps on the track. There's like done done done, but I was rolling, and the front tires were going. The front and then the rear and then the front and it felt like dun 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 and it was matching my heart rate and i thought that my heart was like pounding out of my chest and then once the green flag dropped it once we got through the first corner it was like okay i'm comfortable i can go and then from there it just you just drive yeah that's what a lot of my my first solo flight mm-hmm. i was terrified <laughs> i was absolutely terrified my instructor got out of the plane on the runway and it was just me alone in there. It just struck me, man. It was petrifying. And really, I was like nervous. I was taxiing up to the runway and I was terrified. I'm, I'm sweating bullets. <laughs> and I make my call out. I'm like judder, jumbling over myself the entire time, you know. And my voice was super shaky. It showed. I don't know if they keep recordings of that, but it showed how nervous I was. Second the wheels left the ground, I was fun. Yeah, exactly. Once you get in the flow of it. When when you get into the, like the road course car, which is like the one that we raced recently, it's you, you don't feel like you're alone because you have the radio, you have you have everything. You can talk to your crew and you can have kind of like I say random stuff all the time when I'm driving. I'll be like, I could go for like a peanut butter jelly sandwich right now. It just <laughs> 130 miles per hour. I'm just like, I want ice cream. But it's when you get into the circle track car, they're so like old-fashioned there you're alone there's no one there with you other than you the car and the person next to you that's in their car alone even like you can't even like you don't have like the heads not is it a headset they use like you just don't have the talking capabilities there's just there's stuff built into the helmet of course my helmet has it because i wear the same helmet at the road course as i do at the circle track but yeah you don't you don't get to use radios you don't get spotters crew chiefs anything like that it's just you and the car and that's it and just doing your thing and the only way you can really communicate is paying attention to see if someone's like waving you down yeah is there a reason why the circle track guys are more old fashioned with that or is it just how it is i guess it's just because of like they try to use the excuse of cost cuz like 
the cost to race is through the roof because you're driving a race car. It's that's expensive and that's dangerous. Yeah. But the like, of course, the higher classes. Like once you get up above the the bottom five classes, I think you have spotters because there's there's the truck series, there's the sprint cars, there's the late models, and there's the sportsmen, and there's the open wheel modifieds. That's six classes that use spot spotters. Everything everybody else is like you're on your own out there, and I guess it's just it's both cost and then personnel because those higher classes they have crews they have guys who are there with them solely to work on the car some of the guys who show up in my class are alone they don't have a crew there they don't have anything they're just there with their car maybe their family and they're just there to they're just there to have fun they're not there to try and oh man i need someone to tell me someone's on the inside just send it down there what's the worst that happens you go around oh well point straight and go back it's a difference in mindset i guess you know there's the winning mindset and there's the i'm just here to have fun mindset yeah exactly and i can understand the guys with the more expensive cars wanting a spotter because like hey i've put like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in this race car i don't want to crash it yeah at the same time it's like it doesn't take a driver to it doesn't take a like a super qualified super experienced driver to figure out someone's on my inside because I don't race with mirrors. I personally don't like them. I don't like... I guess that it, it would be safer, but I I can tell when someone's around me. I just have that that feeling. It's like a... Do some people not have that feeling? Or? Yes. <laughs> yes. I have been chopped down on so many times going in the corner. It's like, keep it in your lane. I've been wrecked more times than you can imagine. What's it like in a wreck? I've never been in a car accident before, so... I think... I raced at Citrus County not too long ago, and um, well, it was probably about a year ago. And I came off of turn four, turn, turn four, and I was screaming. I'm driving the car as hard as I can. The car just wasn't doing what I wanted. And there was a car sitting right where I was going, and I'm like, "Lock her down!" So I slammed on the brakes. I I just heard tires squealing, and I slammed into him. And I it didn't hurt then, but. I did. I think I did break my thumb, and I hurt a couple other spots. My knees were killing me after that because I was pushing. I was pushing as hard as I could on the brake and the clutch, and I slammed him, and it just, it, it was just that 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 shock wave going through the whole body, and yeah. Um, maybe that's what messed my knees up. But, um, what's what am I thinking? I lost my train of thought. <laughs> it happens. It's just it'll come back to you when. I guess that when I hit him, I was more worried about, is the car okay? Like, I'm fine. I'll be all right. Is the car okay? Will I be able to keep racing yeah. and stay out here? Because that's just that's all I want to do when I'm here. I just want to be in the car driving. I don't want to be watching other people out here having fun while I'm broken. Yeah, yeah. I can just imagine you must get so mad when that happens or something goes wrong. Now you have to pull off the tire. You know, you're even kind of disqualified from the race because your car just doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. That's like the... Like, going back to me not liking lose. Like, I'm fine with other people winning. I'm happy for them. But, like, at the same time, it's like, man, I should have been the one taking that trophy. I should have been the one winning that race. Even when you start thinking about your rationalize, I could have been the one if I did this different. Exactly. Or if I, you know. If I would have just bumped him out of the way, I would have won that race. No problem. If I would have just driven the car that little bit harder, if I would have pushed the edge just a little bit more, I could have gotten it. How and often do you feel that way after a race? I'm just curious. Pretty much every single time I don't win because I mean I'm not again I'm not trying to gloat I'm not trying to say oh I'm so good but like I 
I'm always finishing right like in reach of winning the race or I'm second and the leader's like half a lap ahead of me, which that happens a lot too because of legal parts. But it's just trying to keep trying to keep my like self-esteem up almost after just a like pretty much a devastating loss you know like you feel like you have the best car out there and then you you end up not having the best car out there and you have someone out there who hands it to you pretty much yeah just like do you ever look at somebody who's racing and you're like oh yeah he's using illegal parts like can you just easily i can hear it because the cars have a rev limiter mine hits the rev limiter but half the other guys' cars float the valves, which sounds completely different than hitting the rev limiter, which means they're running illegal parts. Of course, there's always the guy who's, like, running so slow that he, like, he's not going to hit the rev limiter as it is. But you can hear it. You can see it. But there's always that they'll they'll not hit the rev limiter, but they'll check way up to make make up for it. And then I have the ability of just driving it farther into the corner and keeping right with them. Which, over the long run, they end up pulling away a little, but there's nothing you can do if someone's cheating. I mean, if you finish second to someone you know is cheating, you're like, I mean, hey, I almost did as good as the guy who was running illegal parts. Yeah, it makes you feel good. You're like, well, you know, the build's good, everything, you know, the whole setup's good. My like, skill was on point. That feels good that I almost beat a guy who was cheating. Like, um, when I did win that circle track race and I moved that guy... um. They protested it. They're like, we won that race. That wasn't you. Yeah, they had it like one of the track officials wanted to disqualify me because I gave someone the bumper, even though that there's nothing wrong with that. It's a bump and run. But when they were they were doing tech, they were checking our rear. Um, there's something in the rear suspension they were checking, and I don't feel like explaining it. So um, theirs was illegal because it was bent to make the rear end like rot just like have like a little bit more of an like an angle to it so when he went through the corner it was easier to turn and the top other than me uh second third fourth and fifth all had those illegal parts and all were like cheating pretty much because they had they had bent them to make themselves turn better and it of course i didn't because why would i there's no point i'm here for fun not to win a race yeah you want to see that satisfaction of everything working you know you it, feel, it feels more that is the best feeling that I think I've ever had is handing it to someone and then them turning around and realizing, oh, I've been caught cheating. I guess that that kid just knows how to drive because he passed the inspection of the cheating part. It's yeah. like, exactly. It's it's just, I feel like, you know, being in second place me like, oh, I almost beat the first place guy who was cheating will never amount to beating a cheater. Yeah, exactly. Be- beating someone you know is cheating and you know and getting caught cheating, that's the best feeling ever. How often do people get caught cheating? More than you'd think. A lot of people um a lot of people claim other people are cheating and they find out they are like they claim that my brother my brother runs in a higher class. Well, not anymore now I'm driving that car, but my brother used to run in a higher class than me and there was one guy who was like the he was like a a notorious race car builder. He was like the best of the best. He was the guy you wanted to build your car. He, um, he was like, that car's got a cheated motor. And it was, it was a factory crate motor. Like it came from Chevy in a box and we just put it in the car and he was protesting it. So my dad's like, my dad was getting sick of it. He's like, fine, tear it apart. They tore the motor apart, hundred percent legal. And now that nobody will say anything about that car cheating. Cause it's just, it's purely my brother's driving ability. Yeah. 
now they know, oh, well, this car is doing really well. It's because he's driving it. Yeah, it's because he knows how to drive. Yeah. How did you build your driving skills just through experience? Um, I think some of it's hereditary because my dad's a really good driver. Like he, he runs the figure eight race and he does pretty good for not having like he'll have a circle track set up on it and setups for circle track, road course, figure eight. They're all different. He'll have a circle track set up on the car and he'll go out and finish top five in a figure eight race. Or if you were to say like, if you were to have the right setup for the right track, do you think he'd win? Oh, yeah. He's just he's just a amazing at what he does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's plenty. There's plenty of people out there who are amazing at what just straight up being good at what they're doing. You know? Yeah, uh, I I'd like to think I'm good at some stuff. Some stuff. There it is. Is that the first <laughs> time it's happened this episode? It almost happened earlier. What were you holding yourself back? Yeah. Did I say stuff or did you yeah, say stuff? I'm stuff. 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 I, I am stuff. Yeah. So we're at that part of the podcast where we can kind of get off topic now. Uh-huh. Let's talk about the mullet. Oh, God. Just the mullet. I'm letting you just go. Well, I tried to grow it out over summer, but I was like, do I really want a mullet? I'm like, I'm probably going to get fired over it, so no. And then probably, I think it what was it, September or October, I was like, Dad, cut the sides of my hair off. So he did it. <laughs> And then I've just been letting it grow ever since. I've trimmed the sides every now and then, and a few times work has said they don't, they don't, they don't know about the haircut. But I'm like, we're understaffed. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I know a lot of people who work at that Winn Dixie, and that's just the general consensus that they're extremely understaffed. Yeah, exactly. They're how much like leeway do you get because of that? I mean, you don't really get leeway. You still have to follow the rules. It's just, um, I mean, again, my hair isn't that bad, but I. Sh- one of my managers said something once, and then it hasn't been said again. But, um, well, one of them, one of them said something that was they were like, I don't know, and the other one was like, that's awesome. So, I guess it it's just balances out. Yeah, pretty much. If they were to ask me to cut it off, like if they were to say you need a haircut, I'd get a haircut. But I just, I really like the mullet. It it suits. What me. made you pick the mullet? Um, I guess it's just. A couple of my buddies had them, and I'm like, why not? They're having a mullet competition soon anyway, so we'll <laughs> see right, if will I you can be in it. the mullet competition? Oh, yeah. I'm going to cut an American flag on the side, and <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be cool. That, that sounds exciting. Yes. Do you have anything else you want to talk about since we're completely off topic? Um, I applied to USF. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I applied. They didn't even ask about my extracurriculars, like, not getting in there. My extracurriculars are the whole thing. Yeah, for real. It's wow. I'd imagine they would too, especially with the scouts that would look so good on the application. I mean, not to say that that's the main reason I did it, but I knew that going into college, that scouting would help a lot. Being like showing the leadership and all that. Like, I don't know. I guess, of course, everybody knows I wasn't the greatest at school for for a while, but. I kind of got back on top of it. and I've been A lot of good, it's so. just applying yourself and having the discipline to just do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, That's probably 80% of it. Yeah, it's just trying your hardest, you know? Yeah, the way I see it, if I'm going to be there for, what, eight hours a day, you know, might as well try. Yeah, exactly. If I'm going to, if I don't try, if I'm just, just going to sit there and not do anything, it's not worth my time. 
and I'd be better yeah. off just staying at home, not doing nothing. Yeah. It's uh, you have to go, so it's like yeah, exactly. You might as well try. Mm-hmm. Well, technically, you could drop out if you wanted to, but that's not worth it. <laughs> no, I don't want to be a fry cook for the rest of my life. No, <laughs> no disrespect to fry cooks, not, none at all. But no, fry cooks are cool. They'll be making fifteen bucks an hour soon. They will, at least in Florida. I don't know about anywhere else, but not a bad gig. No, no I wouldn't. I wouldn't want that to be just my pinnacle job. But the acne would just that sets me off, you know. Fry cooks. Yeah, I feel like most, yeah, that's weird. I, most fry cooks do have acne. Like it's because crazy. of the, the, the oiliness of the, just the area they're working in. And probably because they don't shower. Yeah, definitely shower. Yeah, you, always Personal hygiene is very important. Oh, thing. yeah, personal hygiene is the most hygiene. important thing. Always make sure that you, uh, if, you, if your skin dries easily, don't use bars soap. Barred soap. Bars of soap? Soap bars. I don't know. <laughs> Soap um, bars. And if your hair is real oily, just use shampoo. Nothing wrong with conditioning. Makes it look better. For me, yeah. I put hair gel in my hair, so it doesn't. I should start using conditioner, honestly. You probably should. You have kind of long hair. Yeah, it's mine's, very, It's it's kind of frizzy sometimes. Mine's starting to get to that point of where. The mullet. Yes, the mullet. Mine's starting to get to the point of where I need to kind of use conditioner. Because, like, I. For. Probably since I was in kindergarten, I've just had a buzz cut. Short hair, front up, always. And lately it's been more growing it out a little, not putting it up. I've been wearing hats more. And just changing it up. Exactly. Just enjoying it while it lasts because I don't know if I'm going to have it forever. (laughs) Yeah. It's good to experiment. That's why I changed my hair during the summer. I'm like, okay, nobody's going to see me. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't even notice you changed your hair. (laughs) really is that long. But hair's cool. I don't put a lot of thought. I'm a, I'm a dude. I don't put a lot of thought yeah, exactly. into my hair. But <laughs> just always cool. make sure you take care of yourself. If you're listening, make yeah. sure that you don't, keep yourself clean. Don't make destructive decisions. Never, ever skip a shower. <laughs> you follow a very intense shower regimen where no matter what you're doing, if you say you're going to shower at 830 at night, you're going to drop it and just shower. Yes, anything you're doing, you just stop anything. and take a shower. Literally anything. It doesn't matter what it is. No. Stop and take a shower. And if you're not home, find a shower. There's nothing not manly about taking a bath. When you're I sore, can't remember the last time I took a bath. I try to take them a little bit more every now and then because it helps with my achiness. Because, you know, I'm like a 60-year-old man trapped in an 18-year-old's body. But Pain. Pain. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the game. Oh, I hope our listeners know what the game means. I explained it in a previous episode. Oh, you did? Okay, the game, the game, the game, the game. But um, To all of you who have been very loyal and listened to most of this podcast, I'm sorry. Don't leave yet. There's one more game coming. But game. so, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I've screwed myself up pretty bad. I used to do pretty stupid stuff like jumping off the roof of the house just for fun. Um... When I jump out of my truck, I'm not always careful and hurt myself. There's just, there's plenty of things that add up to um, just keeping yourself healthy overall. And showering yeah. is the number one thing. Yeah, definitely. Shower, it depends on, you know, what you're doing. I don't shower all the time. I used to religiously do it every single night. I would always shower around the same time, yeah. like before I went to sleep. I spend at least three hours a day in the shower. I got to. My eagle. I can levitate now. Oh, yes. Okay, we'll make this really the last thing then. Okay. So, 
Go so, um, when when one earns the Eagle Award, they um, I don't know how to put it. They they earn the power to just levitate because that's part of being an Eagle. You can just fly whenever you want. So I'm gonna tell a story. It's about my older brother. It happened a while back, and I'm I'm still a little heart heart wrenched about it. I guess that's heartbroken. Good, heartbroken. That's yeah. a good way. So my older brother earned his Eagle, and they let him know because he did his in person. I did mine like online so it's more of like it's more of like a ritual thing for the eagle to first do do their first levitation yeah like yeah when they first earn their eagle and um so my brother's standing there they shake his hand they're like congratulations you're an eagle um you can invite your family and so we go in and he just is like okay so thank you guys and they're like hey just so you know now that you're an eagle you can levitate like you can fly whenever you want so my older brother he decided he's like okay how does this work so they kind of explain it to him i, I didn't really listen because you're not really supposed to if you're not to eagle, a, yeah you're not supposed to know how to do it until you become so my brother's like okay i'm gonna levitate so he does it and he starts flying up everybody's like cheering clapping and he goes out he goes out through a roof vent and strangely big so he goes out and he's outside and we all run outside and we're watching him and everything and he started getting a little high and I don't know if he just didn't know how to lower himself or something but he kept going higher and higher and eventually a really low flying jet airliner just came barreling in and the kid had no way to get higher or lower he just got sucked right into the turbine and it was just a shower of red and I mean we're all upset about it but oh well go get your eagle scouts guys yeah guys earn your eagle it's it it is a big deal you can levitate I think with that note, I think I'm going to stop it here. I am trying to keep the episodes down a little shorter. That's been the number one feedback. I make them too long. That's understandable. They are a little long, but I I actually enjoyed talking. It, it was fun. It, they always start out, you'll notice, they start out very rocky, more like an interview, but as we got towards mm-hmm. the you know latter half of it, yeah, exactly. conversation. I feel like, I, feel like um, I don't know if you're doing returning or not, but if you do do that, I feel like they'll be much more comfortable coming in. And yeah, they'll absolutely. They'll just slowly start growing into the... The, the most or a more like comfortable setting to listen to and to be kind of not not really like a part of but be a part of like be hey i'm listening to this they're they're talking i feel like i'm included because yeah some of them feel the need to talk to me i'm talking to you he's talking right now through the mic to you i'm talking to you that, that like just stare just <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully your nightmares aren't haunted now. I hope still not. staring, still staring at me. Yeah. Well, I'm end this here. I appreciate anybody who made it this far to watching the whole thing. It's very impressive that you did that. Nobody's gonna recognize you for it. Um, but yeah, good job. Congratulations! Um, you listened to me ramble for how long was that? I don't know. Was, however long it was, however long, long you've been here, you listened to me for that, and just yeah. know, I will know. Uh, anyways yeah thanks for listening this week everybody Uh, i really appreciate it i hope you enjoyed this episode as much as i did as much as eli did um i hope you become an eagle scout and you also gain the power to levitate it's very exciting it's it is very exciting i haven't tried it yet but i'm I'm probably going to right after this now that i thought about it yeah and maybe if you give me enough money i'll include a clip of him doing it maybe we need a big donation though really big one it's a risk of my life it is because you could you could i could die you could die very easily (laughs) all right i'm gonna end it here
That's it.